out of nowhere, I got a migraine that was permanent. It would oh. never go away. Mm. And uh, I was seeing a neurologist that prescribed amitriptyline, which is basically a very low dose of something that uh, mm -hmm. prevented the migraine from happening. Mm -hmm. But it also happened to knock me out and I was able to get sleep. Mm. And it was a different type of sleep because it's not the kind of yes. happy, peaceful sleep when you get when you're like yes. all balanced and healthy. It was the knockout kind of sleep. Yes. So by the time I, w I was graduating college, I had made the transition yeah. and I was not getting migraines anymore, oh even without the bill. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Jocelyn John. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a sleep science coach. I'm also the author of Sleep Tight, the number one secret to achieving your dreams. I help high-performing individuals and busy professionals to improve sleep quality for a more productive and fulfilling life. And welcome very much indeed to today's sleep type podcast i have such an amazing guest that you're gonna absolutely get coached by did i say coached <laughs> yes rachel my dear friend she's a mental health coach and i also think of you as a holistic practitioner just in terms of all the tips that i always get when i talk to you about like wellness from a holistic standpoint so i'm really excited because today we're actually going to talk about how to overcome insomnia maybe right now you are experiencing insomnia restless nights you are waking up multiple times per night and you're just really fed up right now thinking how can i get back to actually achieving that peaceful high quality sleep today you're gonna get answers from rachel who has actually overcome this and i'll be here to ask her the deepest questions yes but you are also such a great giver and such a great well-spoken person that even if i didn't ask questions you'd probably be able to dig deep and we're all here to help people out there thank you yeah. i'm excited for this yes yeah. yeah so let's just start somewhere very basic what was your experience like when you were struggling with insomnia and how did that impact your life well my experience started when I was around 13 and it went on for several years and that was so I started having trouble with sleep during a time period where there was a lot going on in my life and it just wasn't the priority to get it checked out at all <laughs> so um, that went on for years and it wasn't until much later on that I was trying to address something else and that's how I overcame insomnia which is we'll get into it uh but it affected every aspect of my life i was a completely different person mm. i was always angry mm. and i was snappy mm. <laughs> and people that were around me needed to understand that i struggled with sleep because that gave them the context that mm -hmm. i might not be able to regulate my emotions properly because right. when you don't have sleep you can't operate well that's right so yeah i would say that it's um a life changer to be able to get sleep 
Yes, I didn't is. know what it was like for many years. Yeah, thank you yeah. for sharing that and then for being here. That's interesting. From 13 years old and then you ended up trying to fix this while you were actually trying to fix something else. Yeah. And this <laughs> just speaks to how holistic we are. Yeah, and for sure. it just reminds me in my own practice I always see sleep as a holistic element because I think often people look at sleep as this isolated element that mm -hmm. it's just the one thing we do when we go to bed. But interestingly, the fact that you ended up getting to fixing your insomnia while you were trying to fix something else, it just goes to, to show how holistic and connected we are and sleep is as well. Yeah, everything connected. is connected. It's yeah. amazing. Yes, because yeah. you know, sleep is affecting your cognitive health. It's affecting how your 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 brain works. It's affecting how your hormones are expressed, your appetite hormones, your blood sugars. It's affecting your heart. It's affecting your reproductive organs, and you're referring to also how you feel like you are a completely different person, which. Mm. I it, this actually came up for me as well. Like, what do you think about this idea of insomniac identity? I, I want to give context because in my experience and in my practice and also from reading up online, people call, literally just call themselves like insomniac as if it's oh, part yeah. of their identity. And actually this, as a transformational person, as a coach as well, you know, like I coach myself, we coach ourselves, knowing mm -hmm. that when you are stuck at somewhere, yeah, I never really, I, I just want to see your perspective because is it really a good idea to create your identity based on the struggles you're experiencing in your life? Right. So I think it's super important to be able to identify the struggle itself because sometimes mm -hmm. you may be having weird symptoms and you don't realize that it's coming from this one condition mm -hmm. and by addressing that condition all these other symptoms can be taken care of right so i think that part is important yes uh i don't personally i didn't find it helpful to identify myself as an insomniac right because uh, i I'm a lot more than just lack of sleep. <laughs> exactly. Um, me neither. I didn't yeah. find it helpful. So I think just wanted to like highlight it for people. Because I think when we identify ourselves with the health problems we're experiencing, it actually puts us in the victim mentality or victim state. Mm -hmm. And it's actually much harder to try and fix your insomnia if you think that you're insomniac my what i've observed is people who say oh i'm an insomniac so then you want to say hey have you tried this uh method have you tried this strategy or hey you know i have a new book check check it out read it maybe you might actually you might find some tools that may help you and then people might say well i'm just an insomniac i've tried so many things because mm. i think that identity process it holds people back yeah. from actually taking the steps to get out of that identity yeah <laughs> it becomes like a, the truest it's a self-fulfilling prophecy oh. i am an insomniac therefore i have insomnia and and then therefore it, this yeah. is who i am but it's not who you are like 
we both have overcome insomnia Mm -hmm. and in the moment it feels like yes it has affected your personality your mood like you said you you said you were always angry for example oh yeah but and from expert uh, perspective of course sleep deprivation is affecting the part of the brain that actually controls your emotions the amygdala and yeah. you just tend to react and you have exaggerated emotions and yeah. you tend to also catastrophize situations. Oh, yeah. So someone can, uh, uh, like your your kid is annoying, just part of being a kid, but because you're part of the brain that is in control of emotions, mm-hmm. is this big, it's making it look very big. Now it's a big deal. And then you end up reacting. And another part of civil deprivation is like the part of the brain that's in charge of the logic it's just oh yeah Uh. so the logic is down (laughs) but then (laughs) emotions are high yeah and it's just a bad combo it's a bad combo (laughs) and so no matter how far your identity has gone please know that you can get out and let's move on and see what we can help you with on that journey so my next question is how was the journey like? You know, what strategies and techniques will help for you to move from that state to that state? And you did start to speak about how, like, you were looking into another situation, mm-hmm. which ended up helping you. So I imagine that one of the strategies definitely, like, overall health inventory. Yeah. So you just kind of look at your health in general, like, yeah. what's up? And then you may discover... I imagine that was one of them, but I'm curious if you want to get into that, if you you wish, and then uh, share with us other strategies and techniques as well. Sure. So, mm-hmm. um, sh- should we go for the like the longer story of the journey? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, the for the first few years, I was a teenager, and also in my early twenties, I basically since there was so much going on in our lives, in my family's life, mm-hmm. uh, my parents never. Uh, took me to like see a sleep specialist or anything and part of the reason for that is that they themselves have sleep trouble Mm. and it just was kind of taken for like that's not the expression taken for granted but it was just so normal that it kind of it wasn't a problem because it was so normal in our family Mm. and so I kind of kept that attitude into like my adulthood because I just thought you know, it's just mm. this is just how I live I just don't have sleep other people do but I don't mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't until I got migraines in college while I was doing it I was going through a difficult transition there mm. and it was very sudden out of nowhere I got a migraine that was permanent it would oh. never go away mm. and uh, I was seeing a neurologist that prescribed Amitriptylin, which is basically a very low dose of something that uh, mm-hmm. prevented the migraine from happening, mm-hmm. but it also happened to knock me out and I was able to get sleep. Mm-hmm. And it was a different type of sleep because it's not the kind of yes. happy, peaceful sleep when you get when you're like yes. all balanced and healthy. It was the knockout kind of sleep. Yes. So the next morning I would have to really and pop the caffeine content yeah, <laughs> of my life just to be able to get out of the the slumber that was so heavy because mm-hmm. you know it was a drug so yes 
Um, it really helped me be able to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to take the value away from it. You know, like yeah. when you're in it, you you need to do what you need to do. Yes. And once I graduated from college, uh, we tried uh, reducing the prescription until it was nothing. Yes. And see how things were doing. Yeah. In the background, I had been doing other things to take care of my migraines yeah <laughs> so that was primarily uh diet lifestyle yeah because i was told yeah. i was told that my migraine would never go away that it's just it's genetic and you're gonna have it forever like there's nothing to be done about it but it's interesting like how can it be genetic if you start it off like at one point in your life right like, so what did you what did you feel about that explanation that it was uh, genetic i the way I felt about it was no. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what yeah. I felt. I am yeah. not going to live with a permanent migraine. Can you imagine? No. It's just no. Yeah. So that's how I felt about it. Just nope, I'm not accepting this. Yeah, you, just, yeah this is no. not part of my identity. Yeah, I've this will not be a thing. It, right, it just started. It must be something. There must be something I can do. And then yeah. you went to continue to explore. Yeah, so yes. it turned out that the migraine gene was being activated from my perspective Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a light switch yeah and what turned it on was uh a combination of of like healthy boundaries you know like a low stress life it's very much necessary yes uh but the diet was a big component for me Mm -hmm. there were a lot of triggers so i had to transition to a whole foods diet yes uh that was very slow because any quick transitions triggers a migraine so it, it was a fine balance yeah so by the time I, w- I was graduating college, I had made the transition yeah. and I was not getting migraines anymore, oh even without the bill. Okay, I'm really happy <laughs> to hear this. So it sounds like while fixing your migraines, you end up getting a prescription drug, which definitely helped in terms of at least slowing your brain down mm-hmm. and at least to be able to get some sort of rejuvenation. But we also established that that kind of sleep wasn't the same as natural sleep because, you know, certain meditations will slow down processes or they will give you the sedation, for example, mm-hmm. to slow down. That's However, how they were sedative, yeah. Yeah. However, it's not necessarily that it will give you that naturalistic sleep. In order to get natural sleep, we go through five stages and I just call them like, compartments of healing you have yeah. to imagine them as so right yeah. stage one two very light you spend just a few minutes and then you go to stage three and four which are really good for deep rejuvenation repair repairing tissues rebuilding muscles mm-hmm. rebalancing blood sugars and increasing fat burning mechanisms and also boosting the immune system and repairing genes and then mm-hmm. you get into the stage five REM sleep the best oh, stage yeah i mean they're all good i don't think I, there's yeah, yeah but when, when you cannot access ram it just becomes yeah like spe- it has a special place in my heart me too <laughs> me too for a long time i had no access to ram that's true so. yeah but the deep sleep is also important it's like you, you also want to be able to actually like yeah, of regulate your immune system and um you know rejuvenate the organs yes so ram 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 and then ram is really important for emotional rejuvenation memory consolidation mm. and you are actually getting the brain cleaning which is very interesting all these adaptations that happens during sleep to actually allow 
the rejuvenation for body and mind like for example the brain specifically will reduce the size of brain cell just to allow the cerebral spinal fluid to go through to clean up any toxins that have built up mm-hmm. during the day and some of the toxins that are cleaned up include beta amyloids proteins and these beta amyloid proteins we all have them but when they accumulate so much over time they have been associated with early diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease so very very important you know comparing to uh, the kind of sleep that you get as a result of medication which was still better than nothing for you at the time but for someone who is wanting to get to like the best uh, high quality sleep going for medication wouldn't be the optimized version like you and you did point this out to say when you're in it you do what you can. Oh yeah, for but sure. But then it's also while you do that, sometimes you are also you co- you kept on exploring towards like the best solution, the most holistic solution. Yeah, yeah. So, so and then my, after that, yeah, my insomnia problems pretty much came back a hundred percent after I went off that pill. Okay. Um, but again, it was such a normal thing to me that I wasn't really looking for a solution to the insomnia per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just. I started getting more into healing overall because I had a lot of health issues and I didn't know where they were all coming from, but I just Mm -hmm. knew I wanted to get better and I wasn't raised with the best habits. So uh, part of it was installing all these healthy habits. Yeah, and it's okay to forgive ourselves for the past that we've had. The people who helped us on the previous journey, yeah. They probably did the best with what they knew. Oh, for sure. And then I think it's important to apply self-compassion and gratitude and just be grateful for the new knowledge that we have and just act on that. Because trying to... And I'm I'm so glad that you were able to actually like empower yourself that way. To yeah. say, okay, it's okay how I was raised, but now I know yeah. better. And then, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You do the best you can with yeah. what you were given, you know? it's mm-hmm. So... Um, back to the story. Yes. <laughs> so after college, I went into the real world of working, and um, it got really bad uh, because the stress was so high, and there were a lot of factors involved. But um, one of the factors was my job, that was uh, not just very high responsibility and stressful, but lots of overtime, and it was to the point that my job was everything. Like mm-hmm. I had to work a good like 50, 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And it it's the kind of thing that you take home with you. I mm. couldn't really separate it. So I right. had no, I, I, w- I didn't even have the option of having a healthy boundary there. Mm. And it also wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm. <laughs> so lots of issues with the work life there. Yes. And uh, it basically took a back injury that was disabling. Mm. for me to be able to like make the 180 degree turn in the positive direction yes so i took time off to be able to recover from my back injury Mm -hmm. and while while i was taking time off um i wanted to I'm trying to stay on track because I'm, it gets still scattered. I'm like, oh, there's so many things happening during That's this okay. period. Uh, so basically, I wanted to 
heal in general. Yes. And holistic healing. Holistic healing, yes. Mm -hmm. And I started to catch on to the fact that um, there might be something more in the mental slash emotional health field. Yes. And what I did was I hired a coach because that's, uh, I know normally people recommend, you know, you need to get a therapist, but therapists are not always uh, within financial reach for a lot of people. That's true. So I kind of hired someone that, you know, was within my reach. Yes. And that could help me with uh, the self-love part because I keep he kept hearing that that was so important. Oh, yeah, it is. So I hired a self-love coach. And mm. um, so during this time period, I learned uh, a really, like, really profound self-compassion techniques mm. and uh, presence techniques and um, I started doing shadow work mm -hmm. finding the core beliefs and finding um, like the root of a problem and mm -hmm. so basically a lot of shadow work and then eventually got into trauma work but that's later on yeah but basically, within those first three months of taking time off and mm -hmm. just doing self-compassion mm -hmm. and shadow work, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of went away. The insomnia? Yeah. The insomnia just went Yeah, it just, it just kind of okay, went away. Just and, a and, <laughs> and, and to put it into context, like mm -hmm. the, with the back injury, when it's that bad, you're yeah. basically in pain all the time. Yeah. There's no break from it. And the pain will wake me up every like half hour or so. Yeah. And I was never able to access, to access the deep sleep. Yeah. And once be and because I had insomnia, once it woke me up, yeah. Then I stayed awake for a long time. So it would take me forever to get another like half hour nap. Yes. So the way that it what really changed was not so much the lack of pain, but the fact that I was able to go right back to sleep when, when the pain would wake me. So I started getting longer chunks of sleep. Okay. And then eventually the pain wouldn't really wake me up. So what do you think changed? Like because for someone listening, mm -hmm. so you started doing some self-love work, shadow work. And this ties back into the next question I was going to ask you. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask what do you think um what was the role of like mindset? in overcoming insomnia but it sounds like you already started to to touch on that because for someone who is actually listening like what what changed so and this is exactly what i talk about in my book mm -hmm. uh sleep tight the number one secret to achieving your dreams while experiencing like sleep problems and health problems mm -hmm. often we think it's this very specific local thing that we can just get a pill for Mm -hmm. And once we take the pill, it's going to get fixed. But there's actually all these other aspects that affect sleep. This is mm -hmm. why in my book, each chapter is designated to like a specific factor mm -hmm. affecting sleep. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about where the conversation is going right now. Because, yeah, you recently just started doing self-love and self-care. But at a very deep level where you challenge yourself to look at your like your core beliefs and how those things affected you. And I love that you start with self-love because it's the beginning when you don't have self-love and compassion, like we were saying earlier, that mm -hmm. when you just keep blaming yourself and 
putting yourself in a box that's not loving yourself yeah yeah and i and i had been doing self-care for years at that point yeah but but it was not self-loving self-care you know it was uh, Mm. very like it was like a list of chores okay that i had to get through so what would you say is the difference (laughs) between the self-care you used to do because self-care is a really important um analogy right now Mm because i think that when we say self-care everybody has their own meaning yeah it sounds like sounds like the meaning of self-care changed for you along this journey yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i thought i was i was loving myself i thought it was self-love uh so it wasn't until like someone else pointed out that that's not exactly self-love what did you use to do for self-care before and so and then compared to how you shifted it so self-care uh like keeping a fairly healthy diet yeah. getting activity uh yeah. having a nighttime routine even though i couldn't get sleep but i would still have my nighttime routine to ease in into nice, yeah. this the sleep part and uh journaling and uh going to see, going to get massages and you know it's just kind of taking care of your body yes yeah that's what i what i mean by self-care yeah i understand but i was trying to uh, picture it for someone let's say but um someone who is doing self-care in a way that's not self it sounds like your self-care shifted so that part is the new way of self-care what was the old way of self-care okay so that's the definition of self-care as far as i know like the way i know it yeah in general in general but But you can be eating a healthy meal Mm -hmm. while not wanting it and while Ah, thinking negative things about yourself i see so the healthy meal can hardly do anything for you while you're Ah. hating yourself and hating the meal so it was it was i learned the difference between like the really internal kind of self-love versus the external things that you can do for yourself mm. to demonstrate self-love. Mm. It sounds like making self-love at the center of self-care is important because otherwise you could be doing things that are self-care, but then if you don't internalize them and use them as, as a process to honor yourself mm-hmm. and align your mind and body connection, yeah. then self-care could just be like a chore yeah. something you superficially do like oh i just eat broccoli but then while you're eating it y- you really don't like it and you yeah. are swearing you're why like, are you eating the broccoli yeah <laughs> like, i get it is it, it because you like it is it just because it's healthy and you should or yes you know and this goes back to aligning our actions with the core values and i also believe that we should have everything stemming from our values not the other way around because if you just do the action without having a, a, a prerequisite or a defining value for that action mm-hmm. most likely that action is not going to be sustainable yeah so core values really important and it was important for your journey as well yeah yeah, yeah. for sure yeah so it's very interesting because when we talk about core values, it's like specific things that you commit to. Uh, is there like specific values that you adopted to help with this journey? Or it could be values or mindset as well. I think, I think it was the stubbornness because mm-hmm. I just refused to give up. 
Yeah. I was just very stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of... I just could not accept that there wouldn't be a solution to my health issues. Yes. I could not accept it. So I think I, it's also determination, I think. Yeah. Because I think that stubbornness... People might say, oh, stubborn, you know, different connotation. But yeah. what I'm hearing is, like, determination. Yeah. 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 I just could not take no for mm -hmm. an answer. Yes. So, yeah. That's good. And I think there are also people out there also who think, well, I've tried so many things and I've been told. And this is also what I'm really passionate about as a nurse, like empowering people to take part in their own healing as well. Mm. While health professionals, we've been trained to take care of people, but people also have a lot to teach us. Mm -hmm. So when you are, you are given information, it's also important to honor like how you feel about it and ask the right questions. And if your intuition is saying, seek more ways, ask more questions, or visit another person, seek for a different modality, I think you should go for it instead of the conventional way where you're like, well, I talked to one uh, healthcare professional specialist, they told me this, so that might be what it is. But I think it's really important to honor your holistic nature. Mm -hmm. and know that there could be so many different ways and this is why we are all individual unique beings um, we also call it, call it bio-individuality whereas yeah. like someone might take this pill it's going to help them and the other person takes it it doesn't help them yeah if so, it even does anything yeah <laughs> so this is why it's really important not to give up like you mm -hmm. people be inspired by your determination and also uh, I encourage them to do that whoever's listening and if you've tried so many things don't give up because you could be trying a new tool today that's going to change everything <laughs> just like you yeah. self-love changed everything <laughs> like yeah. so don't say oh I've tried everything try one more tool today try yeah. another two tomorrow you yeah. just never know yeah 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 and, and I didn't even have a positive attitude about it mm -hmm. to be honest i was just like no i'm not accepting determination, <laughs> yeah. determination. <laughs> yeah yeah all right and then now i'm just curious mm -hmm. we already talked about this a little bit but like beyond the techniques and strategies what other lifestyle factors play their role lifestyle factors mm -hmm. i think it was about aside from the stuff that kind of everybody tells you like you mm -hmm. know the, the healthy food and the movement and journaling and things like that that are kind of the the, the things that don't really help when you have insomnia you yes know? like the every, level. yeah there's we're talking about the basic self-care level that people tell you to do okay you're doing that that's not gonna cure your insomnia most likely mm -hmm. um so aside from those things i think the major the biggest lifestyle change for me was installing practices that were daily mm. and that were very internal practices mm. so it was kind of frustrating because it doesn't necessarily have the cathartic satisfaction of doing something physical right like for example if you if you want to bulk up and be able to lift this many pounds mm -hmm. then it's something physical mm -hmm. and you can have like visible targets and you can yeah. see the physical difference in your body mm -hmm. but when you're doing internal stuff 
you're kind of just sitting there with your eyes closed and doing all this internal work. Mm. Um, or you do stickers like me. Yeah, stickers. That's how you get your mental satisfaction. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. I discovered inspiration. this. Yeah, this was my like breakthrough, everyone. like yeah. It's right there on the wall. Yeah. Other than that, you don't really feel that, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 for sure. And one of the practices, like primarily self-compassion, right? Yeah. That was like foundational uh, presence. Yeah. One of the biggest ones for me that I think didn't think that I even needed oh. was uh, in the mental health professionals call it trauma work. However, I'm hesitant to use the word trauma yeah. because it's just very loaded. It's a it's a big word. Right. So I rather refer to it as undigested events. Mm. So things That's a really good way to describe things it. that have happened in your life and you're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's in the past. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But you can't sleep. So clearly mm. it might not be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a little of a discrepancy there. Yeah. Uh, that needed to be addressed. Right. And um it happens to a lot of people. And when like pretty much everybody has some kind of indigestion. Yeah. in that sense yeah. but it affects everybody differently yes so um that was a major part of my journey mm -hmm. and i started feeling because whenever i address a particular event right uh i would feel so much lighter so much lighter. afterwards right. you know yeah. and it gets to a point where the event doesn't have an emotional charge anymore, anymore and that's how you know it's yes clear clear yeah clear creating that space to feel either you create a safe space to feel or you you create a safe space for someone else yeah you either create a safe space to feel or you create create a safe space for someone else to help you feel because yeah. some people i needed someone to help me yeah. with it and to teach me how to do it for myself right for sure some people yeah. have just wait. so many undigested events if they try to do it feel for themselves it might be just too overwhelming yeah and a lot of yeah. us we don't know how to have unconditional presence we need someone to demonstrate it for you right before you can you know what it's like mm -hmm. unconditional presence is really important mm -hmm. and i heard this a long time ago with a person i was working with now she's a therapist and uh she was talking about how we need help to feel our feelings okay and it actually takes a lot of practice mm -hmm. like you said internal work mm -hmm. to get to the point where you can feel alone and i i'm starting to get there i still need my therapist to feel certain feelings but mm -hmm. i i have like you said incorporating daily practices yeah. where you feel like you can handle the unconditional presence to feel in whatever amount you can feel maybe for now you can feel this much and if you did it daily it will still reduce the bigger undigested event load from there to like here yeah and then over time you become lighter and lighter and lighter and then this just speaks to how sleep is generated by the brain and so then if it's overwhelmed thinking about what happened processing so many thoughts it's unable to actually focus on that and then also focus on the sleep cycle yeah so the inner work while it might not feel as 
you know, satisfying right away. You don't get those dopamine hits right it's away. It's not very sexy. It's not yeah. sexy. And actually, in my book, I asked this question. What does the discomfort mean to you? Mm. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Because we go through discomfort, but the other side is really sweet, though. Yeah. Yeah, once you get to the other side. The reward is worth it. The reward is worth yeah. it. Because it's that... How can you describe that further? Like you say you feel lighter. Like for me, I have felt it many, many times as this like lightness. It, it feels to me like I've been carrying like a bag, backpack mm-hmm. full of rocks. Yeah. And then I'm finally able to put it down and I'm just feeling this breeze come on my face after being so sweaty carrying this bag that's how it feels to me yeah all those sticky notes and those breakthroughs that's why i stick them up <laughs> how, how about you yeah. like how does it feel to finally go through undigested event and process it and you are at the other end yes you're getting better sleep but how how else are you feeling it's this a freedom yeah of thinking freedom of being Mm. Um, especially when like I used to have a lot of anxiety and uh, there was like an undercurrent of panic Mm. uh, in the background always yeah and after addressing that just the absence of that yeah it's it's hard to describe unless you know the difference between the two states yeah you just don't have it it's just open open you're free your openness your freedom yeah flowing you don't have this negative thing weighing you down yeah anymore yeah 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 that they, for people out there who haven't started doing that inner work like you said you were doing all this sleep hygiene stuff journaling all these basic things you're respecting how sleep works you're getting out to get your sunlight in the morning you're going for walks you're eating well but you still couldn't overcome this insomnia until you actually face your inner demons yeah mm-hmm. and just look at yourself and say What's really keeping me up at night? And in my practice, we talk about all these things. They are also some physical things that can keep people at night, like inflammation if they have like mm-hmm. gut health issues. But it's also really important to do that self-inventory and look at yourself and be honest and say, what am I observing? You really yeah. does that with that observation instead of trying to fit yourself in the box and say oh my doctor said this like but really what is what have you observed what are the thoughts that are coming up for you is it connected to something undigested and do you need someone to help you untangle that and what daily practices can you bring in to actually continue to get lighter and lighter so you'll be able to fall asleep easier yeah yeah it's a very rewarding journey it is yeah and i wanted to ask you this question as well in your experience what do you think are some of the common mistakes that people are making when it comes to resolving the insomnia okay common mistakes that i've observed uh both in my experience and uh some of the clients i've had in the past yeah Uh, number one is i would say just accepting it Mm. The fact that you have insomnia and you're going to have it for the rest of your life. Like, 
just not trying to heal. Yeah, so I guess. saying that you accept it and that's how you're going to live your life, that is a mistake because... Because then it you, it, it will yeah. be your entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. now you're letting go of any possibility. You are dismissing any possibility for fixing it. And there are many options out there starting with getting to the root cause. And once yeah. you get to the root cause there's higher chances of fixing your insomnia but if then you say well that's just how it is then that you are already making such a huge mistake because then you're yeah. not going to fall through yeah that's mm -hmm. one of them another one is which is kind of funny for me to bring up but you may think that alcohol helps but it actually doesn't <laughs> yes um and the same thing with like uh pills and whatever else you're taking mm -hmm. to just kind of get by mm -hmm. and not to shame anybody for doing that because I did it too you have to do what you have to do in the moment when mm -hmm. you're desperate mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's important to keep in mind that uh, the a permanent solution is not necessarily the immediate the thing that brings you immediate relief yes a, a lot of times the permanent solution takes work it takes time yes. and it's a progressive uh, journey yeah it's a progressive journey and yeah. you feel a little bit better and a little bit better yeah. but it's not gonna be overnight yes well hopefully it is for you but you know, I haven't observed that <laughs> yeah so you're just in encouraging patience yeah patience, patience instead of uh, instant gratification solutions that don't last yeah. and take you back to zero yeah yeah so one of the things that used to happen to me yeah. was because uh, in my case, it was either I could not sleep until like 4 a.m. And then I had to wake up at 6. <laughs> so oh. that was one of the things. Yeah. And or I would be able to fall asleep on time. But then I would wake up at like 2 a.m. And again, I don't have enough room or the chance to be able to catch enough sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I would do is try to fall asleep really bad. And I would be in bed trying to fall asleep and worrying about the day because mm -hmm. it meant that I was going to be impaired. And so I would be worried about, you know, how am I going to mm -hmm. get through this and how mm -hmm. am I going to do that? And da -da 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 -da. So basically just trying to force myself to fall asleep and resisting the fact that my body was not able to fall asleep mm -hmm. at that moment. Uh, so I was I would think the mistake there is resisting that because it's it actually helps to just go with it yes. and just let it go. It's not it's not in the cards for you right now. So go do something productive or something creative. Yeah. Just, you know, be kind to yourself in that yes. moment and let it be. Yes, absolutely. And I also recommend this and other sleep experts recommend this. When you are tossing in bed and can fall asleep, don't stay there and also watch. We have it here. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, catch, check, and change your thoughts. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like you are tossing, you can't sleep, and you've been doing that. It's been half hour. Don't do that for hours and hours. Yeah, it adds stress to the situation. It will, it will add stress to the situation because now you're worrying and you're actually having your stress response even intensify, yeah. which is increasing your stress hormone. And when you have your stress hormone really high, that's the opposite of sleep. Now it's actually suppressing your sleep cycle. So give yourself patience and compassion, but also 
observe your thoughts so catch your your thoughts check them and change them to something positive and i highly recommend like you said focus on something else you can do a vision board where you can some people already have a vision board created maybe mm-hmm. it's something you are aspiring to in the future and i also this i practice very often when i'm having lingering thoughts i just actually try to think of a positive memory that i've had either that day or in the past week oh that's so cool yeah and it really is a good distraction so you do vision board you know aspire for the future or think of a memory from that day or in the last little while good memory had the memory that really made you happy and joyful and then ask yourself a question about the situation i have been doing this and this is why actually in my book at the end of each chapter mm-hmm. i have general prompt questions reflection questions because i think asking ourselves questions is really important what questions do is they change the direction of your neural firing in the brain because if you are thinking say you are thinking one thought i imagine it's one lane in the brain it's like that's why you're thinking about it right could, you're on one path yeah but it could yeah. also be connected to other similar parts it's like it's all going you know towards the west but now you ask yourself a question you are turning back to east so i have found that very helpful um to change your emotional state and yes because i asked myself a question for example like what's the worst that can happen what's the best that can happen you know what can i do to stay calm and stay abundant you, you can ask yourself whatever question that works for you so i feel like yeah those top three if you can fall asleep you're tossing at night don't stay there and focusing on how negative your day is going to go and worrying instead do a vision board think of positive memories or ask yourself a question those things are going to turn you around and you may actually find luck let us know how that works for you yeah 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 for sure i think that's uh that's the ones i've used and they have been really yeah. helpful yeah and one analogy um that my clients have found very helpful is Uh, the multi-layer cake of anxiety because in in this example when you're tossing in bed trying so hard to fall asleep Mm -hmm. there's already an an anxiety that's kind of built in with the state of not being able to fall asleep Mm -hmm. and if on top of that you add the anxiety of thinking about how you're not able to fall asleep it just adds to the layer another layer to that cake and it's unnecessary (laughs) you already have enough anxiety to deal with so, yeah, I think those things are gonna, really gonna help. Yeah, they have helped the me state. on my journey. Yeah, I still use the positive memories. I still ask myself questions just to let go of the day. Yeah, it's been a really great conversation. Is there something else you'd like to add uh, before I ask you the last question? Um, maybe keep it simple. Yeah. You know, something that's easy for you to do. That's yeah. not too much of a challenge. Because yeah. when you're in that state, it's everything is difficult. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just be kind to yourself. Yeah. Self-compassion, self-love. Keep it simple. Be kind to yourself. It's a journey. You're yeah. not stuck there. That's not who you are. Things can change for you like it did for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really great place <laughs> to end this. So, yeah, 
my book Sleep Tight, the one secret to achieving your dreams has more grounding tools like this where I actually get deeper into the things that affect your sleep, things like boundaries, mm. your emotional regulation, like your relationship with emotions. Mm-hmm. And I talk about mindset and I talk about nutrition. And I just talk about self-compassion and how I've applied all these tools to myself as well. So I think if you've enjoyed this conversation, you likely would like the book. I can't wait to read the book. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, no, this was very grounding in alignment with how the book was written, actually. Mm. So thank you all for watching. Mm.